Are man's attempts at self-preservation futile? Pastor Xavier Reese has the simple truth. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Leaning to his own understanding and being persuaded that his way will preserve both his physical life and the spiritual journey, he is self-deceived and is on the road to destruction. The opposite of his intended purpose is the result. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that it's possible to give God our money, but not ourselves, or to give Him lip service, but not our hearts. The simple truth of a true disciple is that he gladly gives up all that he has in exchange for an unending life of joy and happiness with God. But today, Pastor Xavier examines our text of Luke 9 by asking what the cost is of not being a disciple of Christ. Let's listen. Jesus used a very simple method to teach his disciples. He taught them the truth and principles of the kingdom of God, as we've seen. He showed them personally the signs of the kingdom of God, preaching, healing, and casting out demons. And then he sent out his disciples to do the same thing. That's what we do in this ministry. We teach you, we show you, and we say, how'd you like to do it? Real simple. It's not that difficult. So Jesus has just commissioned his 12 disciples, two by twos, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, and cast out demons from verse 1 through 11. As they returned, Jesus took 12 of them to Bethsaida, Julia, on the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee, where the Jordan flows in, Distinct from Bethsaida, on the northwestern corner, the home of Philip, Andrew, and Peter. Jesus then fed the 5,000. Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ of God in verse 12 through 22. Remember, the intent of Luke was not to follow a chronological order, but an orderly arrangement to present to Theophilus as the Holy Spirit led him to compile his material. And he makes this very clear in Luke 1, verse 1 through 4. Matthew presents Jesus the king of the Jews as he writes to the Jews. Mark presents Jesus as the servant of man as he writes to the Roman. And Luke presents Jesus the son of man as he writes to the Gentile world. So Jesus, being under the shadow of the cross and in view of all this, he now declared the cost of being a disciple It's described by three things in verses 23 through 26. Let me read. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it if a man, if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my word, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. So Jesus describes the cost of being a disciple by the following. First, we have the invitation to be a disciple, verse 23. Secondly, we have the explanation of the invitation to be a disciple in verse 24 and 25. Then we have the condemnation for rejecting to be a disciple 
in verse 26. The invitation, the explanation, and the condemnation. The invitation to be a disciple comes first. Notice the invitation in verse 23 includes all his disciples. Then he said to them all. Jesus has just um, finished speaking to his 12 disciples about his sufferings by the elders, the priests, and the scribes, and be killed and to be raised from the dead in verse 22. He's headed for the shadow of the cross. The parallels to this section is in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, and Mark 8, 34 through 38. They're practically the same. There's a few differences. We'll point those out. Now, notice the word all. It, it means each, every, and anyone. This includes the 12 of the many disciples that were following Jesus. This includes all the multitudes of unbelievers, too, that are listening. Jesus taught his disciples and the crowds often together. We've seen it from Peter's boat in chapter 5, verse 3. We've seen it on the plain in chapter 6, verse 17. Jesus had chosen 12, as you know, from the multitude of disciples that were following him to be his 12 apostles after an entire night in prayer in chapter 6, verse 13 through 16. Simon, whom he also called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon called a zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. All 12. By the way, when John's gospel, when he says, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you, it's not for salvation, it's for apostleship. Okay? So if you're a Calvinist, just in case. Okay? Context, context, context. Now, notice the invitation is responded to by a person's free will, individual choice. If anyone desires to come after me, the disciples are those who have believed Jesus to be the Messiah. They're born again understanding the spiritual truths that are being taught by Jesus. They, to be exact, 70, will be sent out two by twos, empowered to preach, heal, and cast out demons in chapter 10, verse 1 through 22. The 12 have already been sent out, according to Luke the way he arranges it. The state of these disciples is not hypothetical, by the way, but one of reality. The door is open to anyone who desires. You see, you are a free moral agent. You were a free moral agent to be saved once you heard the gospel, God initiated and gave you that ability to understand your sinfulness and to respond. You're saved because you believe the gospel. These are born again and follow the prompting of God of their own free will, because after you're born again, you still have a free will, right? I presume that you can recall times when God told you to do something, go somewhere, and you didn't. Wouldn't it be great if you just automatically obeyed? Doesn't happen, does it? These still have a sin nature capable of not yielding to the promptings of God. Anyone desires. The word Jesus uses means more than a wish or emotional desire, but to decide by one's own determined will. This does not mean they are working for salvation as some people declare, especially Calvinists and Reformed theology. They are saved, but yielding to participation with the work of God in them because they're not robots. If there's an invitation, there's a choice. The response is a personal commitment to Jesus. Listen, to come after me. As his disciple, one who understands he was following Jesus to death, followed by resurrection. 
Jesus forces no one to do anything. Listen carefully. The army of God is made up of all volunteers. No one has been drafted. Now notice the invitation has conditions by choice. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily to follow me. The first condition is to deny himself. Now, this is not self-denial of certain things as it's usually taught, but the character of one's conversion. The word deny means to affirm the one that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone, to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself. That's what it means. Let him deny himself. This means to lose sight of oneself for any merit before God, having died in Christ, realizing that I come as I am. I'm not coming my own merit, but what Jesus did. Linsky, the Greek scholar, says this. Listen carefully. This is true conversion, the very first essential of the Christian life. The heart sees all the sin of self and the emanations of the death bound up in this sin and turns away from it in utter dismay and seeks rescue in Christ alone. Self is cast out and Christ enters in. Hence you live not unto self, but unto Christ who died for you. The second condition is to take up his cross. This is the outcome and result of denying oneself. Let him take up means to take upon oneself and to appropriate. This is the second imperative command. In the Greek, an error is active, an act that takes place at one time. A decision is made. We're to reckon ourselves dead to desire to come after our old self from that point on. We're to drop that back habit. <laughs> the cross was used, as you know, by Jesus as a symbol of death. Rome perfected that from the Carthaginians, the Persians, then Rome. Jesus had denied himself to come and die on the cross for sinners. He's the primary example. You do not ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself, right? That's the principle. Now notice the cross indicates the allotment and the assigned call of God to each disciple. The difficulties and sufferings which are the result of faithfulness in doing the will of God daily by the continuous denial of self. Each having his share of sufferings for and being associated with Christ, never comparing oneself to the call of another. When you're in the service, they give you your orders. They tell you where to go, what you're going to do. You say, well, that's not fair. You know, this guy's in the back. I'm in the front line. What's your MOS? Okay. That's it. The reward for service is not a comparison then or competition with others, but in completing one's call of God by doing the will of God. Now, the usual interpretation of this condition is really foreign to the context. They say that all our sufferings is a cross. I hear this often. Yet evil men and women suffer, but they're not disciples of Jesus. That suffering coming upon us by our own doing or choices is our cross. Not so. 
their self-inflicted consequences, sowing and reaping. That suffering coming upon us by the doing of others and their choices is our cross. Not so. They are the consequence of sinful and evil people bringing hurt to us and against us. But if any of these are due to our obedience and association with Jesus and our allotted call in life, then they in fact are our cross as his witness of light and love. Because that's what he's called me to. The third condition, notice, then is to follow Jesus. The word follow simply means to walk behind someone who's in front of you. The word is used for the virtue of faith and faithfulness, obedience and dependency, following, not leading. There is no allowance for walking after one's own direction or changing of course. There's no stopping you, but there's no allowance. Are we clear on that? Godet said there are three things necessary for traveling. Listen carefully. First, to say farewell to self. Second, to carry one's baggage, the cross. Third, to proceed with the journey, follow me. That's good. Simple. The human issue is what we make and complete our journey to follow Jesus. Linsky points out that the first two imperatives are in the error's tense to deny himself and pick up his cross. They're momentary acts. The third is an imperative command, present active, to follow. It's a long and continuous course of action. Present active, not a one-time thing. He points out that the taking up of our cross is a daily act which is punctiliar each time. In other words, you do it right at that moment, but you got to redo it again. <laughs> the two errors acts are the preparation for the durative, the ongoing present, and the three always occur in the same order, never alter in all three synoptic gospels. All three are impossible apart from the new birth, the word of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. I think of Paul as the perfect example of this in the threefold call of a disciple here. Listen to his own words in Philippians 3.8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, manure, that I may gain Christ. Now, if you know anything about Paul, you know he runs circles around the intellectuals of his day. <laughs> Every believer in Christ makes the choice about the degree they yield and obey these conditions for a disciple. You remember in the parable of the sower, only one seed did not sprout life, the one by the wayside. The next two sprouted life, but only for a while. The stony ground Shallow, superficial, no depth. The other, the ground of thorns, choking out the word of God, tribulations, sufferings, etc. Then the one where the seed fell on good ground sprouted and gave up 30, 60, 100 full, implying different degrees of denying self, taking one's cross and following Jesus. 
See, it's not automatic a hundredfold. There's various degrees. Your call, your obedience, mine, my yielding. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The question is, will we walk in them? Every one of us knows times when God told us to do something, go somewhere, speak to someone. We have not. Now, that doesn't mean you're not saved. But we know we miss some of the stuff he wanted us to walk in, right? Because <laughs> God doesn't force us. Every believer is born into warfare, by the way. There is no exception. Listen to some of the scriptures, Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and we should no longer be slaves of sin. Romans 6, 11, we are to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the flip side. Ephesians 4.22, he says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Colossians 3.9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If these things happen automatic, why tell me about them? The last one, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild stratagems of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Warfare. How are you doing? The invitation to be a disciple is for spiritual gain. Spiritual gain. Now notice secondly, comes the explanation of the invitation to be a disciple. Verse 24 and 25. The first part of 24, the person deciding not to be a disciple of Jesus is warned about destroying their life. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Really, the focus of the passage is the high cost for one who denies to be a disciple. Jesus says the person considers the cost of a disciple too high a price to pay. To deny himself, to lose sight of oneself for any merit before God and die in Christ, no way. I'm good. I do some good things. Isn't that the humanistic concept? This is that person. To take up his cross daily, the allotted and assigned call by, with difficulty, sufferings, and persecution, they reject. I don't want to go that way. To follow Jesus in faith and faithfulness after his steps? Mm -mm. Notice Jesus gives the reason a person rejects to be a disciple. Listen to the words. For whoever desires to save his life, the word for introduces the reason for the one rejecting to be a disciple of Jesus. For the reason. The implication being they heard the gospel invitation. They've rejected it. The reason then is stated. Whoever desires to save his life. Whoever, anybody. No one's excluded from rejecting or accepting. The word desire, as in verse 23, means to will, to have in mind, to intend, to determine with purpose. The assessed determination is that he is better off 
trying to secure his own life and more capable of doing a better job apart from Jesus. That's the conclusion. That's really what a person is saying. The word save simply means to save, to be rescued, and to preserve in a safe state. And the reference is to life. That vital force that inanimates the body with all the things the world might offer, but neglecting the spiritual need. Life, suki, the intellect, the emotion, the will, the attractiveness, the leaning towards the worldly think and assessing, well, I, 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 you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I have to deny all this. I don't think, I, I think that it's, it's better to do it this way. Jesus stated the tragic outcome of such an attempt apart from Christ. Listen, we'll lose it. An attempt to save it, you lose it. The opposite of his intended purpose is the result. Leaning to his own understanding and being persuaded that his way will preserve both his physical life and the spiritual journey, he is self-deceived and is on the road to destruction. Even while he's living it out on earth, he's destroyed. He's lost it. When he dies, it's permanent. His spirit remaining dead, unregenerated. Or perhaps deviating, deflecting from continuing to be a, a disciple. In effect, by deciding to not deny himself, take up his cross and follow Jesus as a disciple, he loses his life or his soul. That's the focus. The word lose means to destroy or perish. Uh, the tense is the indicative, future active, the ultimate permanent condition. The context is being unsaved and lost for all eternity. That breaks the heart of God because he's not willing that any should perish, as you know. Now, notice the second part of 24. The person deciding to be a disciple of Jesus is given a promise of life. Now you have the flip side, okay? You have the one who rejects, now the one who receives. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus says this person considers the cost of a disciple to be worth it. The person is once again indicated by the word whosoever, each, anyone, everyone. This person is said to lose his life. This means that he or she has decided to be a disciple of Jesus and suffer if need be for their faith. Notice Jesus said the loss of these things was for my sake, he hits the bullseye. Not for my stupidity, not for my bad decisions, but for his sake. In other words, due to being a disciple of Jesus, due to having denied themselves, taking up their cross daily and following Jesus. So Jesus stated the incredible gain by losing one's life for his sake. Listen. We'll save it. Pastor Xavier Reese and Suffering for Righteousness' Sake. More important simple truths for the disciple of Christ from our study series of the Gospel of Luke today. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. 
and the title to ask for is The Cost of Not Being a Disciple. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Once again, the title to ask for is The Cost of Not Being a Disciple, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. If the believer is said to be saved by grace, what did Jesus mean when he said, We're to take up our cross and follow him? Join Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time for the answer on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com